Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler, and it's time to cut loose and kick off our Sunday shoes because we are talking about the 80s classic, Footloose, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary. I'm sure that makes a lot of people feel really old, <laughs> but I'm thrilled to welcome back returning guest, Bo Gatlin, to break down all the unforgettable dance sequences, the infectious soundtrack, and the all-star cast from this beloved film. So, so Bo, how do you feel about becoming our go-to 80s movie correspondent? Oh, I love it. 80s movies, my favorite <laughs> yeah. ever. This one is no exception. So thanks for having me back. I am so excited about this. <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah, so last time we covered the film Say Anything, which is a terrific film. And uh, so I, I, I just kind of assumed you had a soft spot in your heart for this movie or similar ones like it. No doubt about it. I mean, Kevin Bacon. You think the eighties, you think Kevin Bacon, great music all the way through where say anything was a great movie for all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. This one might be a great movie for all the wrong reasons, but it's good. <laughs> well, so uh, before we like really jump into the movie, I, I did want to ask you, I kind of was okay. So just from the get go. And I, I can't remember if I told you this or not. I had never seen this movie before, believe it or not. And no so way, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of why when I was when I kind of playing out the year, I kind of look at key dates, big movie releases, and also tried to look up anniversaries. And I saw this is just always kind of just I don't know why I didn't see it. I just I just never did. And so when I saw that it was you know celebrating its 40th anniversary, uh, February 17th is actually uh, actually the exact date. I was like, you know, this is good. This is why I love this podcast. This is a good chance to maybe see some movies that I hadn't seen before. And so yeah, so. So watching this, like for the first time, I kind of actually wondered if maybe this movie was based on your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much to talk about, isn't there? I can't believe that you've never seen this before because this is even way better. I can't, I'm just so excited to hear what you think about it because there's no way for me to watch this now, which I recently again without, you know, there's just too many tie-ins to when I saw this when I was younger. I was born in 1981. Uh, I think my mom thought there was no movie that I shouldn't see when I was younger. And this was certainly, I feel like, on replay on uh, cable all the time. And so I've seen it, I don't even know how many times. Um, I will say that for me, the 80s, when I think about them in 80s movies, are all about getting a young me really excited about becoming a dancer as an adult. Uh, so I don't know <laughs> when Dirty Dancing came out, 87? It was after this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds about right, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know why I was watching that as a kid, but I was. Thanks, Mom. And uh, <laughs> I wanted nothing more than to be Patrick Swayze to the extent that I begged my mom to sign me up for Dance Lust, which she did very yes. soon after. And I remember showing up. I was the only boy in a class of over probably six other girls doing ballet. And I think she was still in the process of signing me up when I came into the office and said, I don't, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> so that's how long I lasted in dance lessons. Not long, but the dream <laughs> is still alive inside of me. It's, it's never away. So this was just a, maybe, maybe this one led to, to dirty dancing, but, the 80s are just a lot of dance movies, I feel like, at least in my mind, with great music, both of those things. So uh, I don't want to get ahead of anything here, but where do you want to dive in on this one? Okay, well, uh, before we dive into the movie, yeah, well, I'm going to play a clip of the trailer here, and we'll kind of set up the movie a little bit. He's the new kid in town, and the music's on his side. Let's dance! Footloose. Footloose is a 1984 American musical drama film directed by Herbert Ross. Uh, imagine a town where dancing is considered a crime. With Footloose, the film proves that if you've got the moves, you can change an entire town's moral compass. <laughs> Kevin Bacon stars as Wren McCormick, a city... I'm sorry, I'm going to stop for a second. Wren, I've never heard that name, Wren, before. Um, I, I never... Did you ever know anybody personally named Wren? No, 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 never. Very, very unique. But anyway, so Ren's a city kid who, uh, Chicago, right, in this movie, who uh, waltzes into a small town with a strict no-dancing policy. 
armed with dance shoes and a rebellious spirit, he challenges the status quo, turning the town upside down and proving that sometimes all you need to solve your problems is a good old-fashioned dance-off. It's a tale of toe-tapping defiance where the only crime is not moving your feet to the beat. The film received mixed reviews from the crit from critics and was a box office success, grossing $80 million in North America, becoming the seventh highest film of 1984. The songs Footloose by Kenny Loggins and Let's Hear It For The Boy by Denise Williams were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Uh, there was a remake that was released in 2011. Uh, I, I never saw that. And I also saw that at some point uh, there was a musical uh, Broadway version of this uh, of this movie as well. And I think it actually got nominated for some Tonys and that sort of thing. So you didn't wow. see the remake, did you? No, and I never will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, them in. Actually, I remember they had made a new one. And when I looked up that it was made in 2011, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, it just uh, didn't even register. I don't think I'll ever watch yeah, 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 yeah. I I didn't look up uh, how well it did, but yeah, I I think a lot of people would be surprised. Like, wait, there was a there was a remake, you know? So, uh, yeah. So, okay. So, kind of, I don't know, like spoiler for this movie, but my feelings. So, I, I'm sure you're curious since now you know that this was my first so time curious. seeing it. Yeah. yeah. So I I. I really, I did enjoy this movie. I, I, as, you know, as ridiculous as it was in so, so, so many ways, uh, I, I thought it was just, I, I could totally see why it made such an imprint that it did. And because there's just watching it the first time, right? There's so many scenes that will just be forever stuck in my mind <laughs> now so that just such, uh, such as what what's the first book to mind for you well, well footloose could also be titled aka aka playing chicken i i don't know what the fascination with this movie is of playing chicken at the beginning there's this insane scene <laughs> with uh, the girls you know and ariel like you know, basically doing a split between two cars as they're about to hit this diesel that later there's a tractor, uh, chicken <laughs> face off between Ren and, yeah. uh, uh, the kind of bully, so to speak of this movie. Uh, so anyway, I was just like, uh, I, I kind of, it almost, I almost got my feelings hurt a little bit. Cause back to the future has always been one of my favorite movies and I always associated playing chicken, you know, being chicken associated with that movie. And I was like, no, 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 no. It, it was footloose the whole time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so I, yeah, that's what I just, I, I, I did, I did enjoy the movie. And actually it was kind of an interesting thing because we watched Can't Buy Me Love um, and a couple of episodes ago. Have you seen that mm -hmm. movie with Patrick Dempsey? I, I have seen that movie. I, I can't wait to, I need to listen to your podcast on it. I want to hear your takes on it. I haven't done this yeah. yet, yeah. Yeah. So overall, I didn't really enjoy that movie. And so when watching Footloose, I was kind of sitting here going, okay. And once again, I hadn't seen Can't Buy Me Love either. And in my head, I was kind of thinking like, why did I not, you know, really like that one? And I was kind of more drawn to this one. And I think more so is like, to me, Can't Buy Me Love is trying to be a comedy and it wasn't funny. Footloose is pretty sincere in its efforts. <laughs> And so, so things come across as uh, humorous uh, that aren't intended to be. So I think that's part of the reason. But even though as this, you know, uh, this town is band dancing and just as 80s as this whole premise is, I felt like there were like also like, I don't know, the sincerity of the movie kind of came through to me. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense to you at all. Yeah, I, I think so. Upon watching this now as a grown-up, my immediate uh, thoughts for this, this is a movie supposedly set in the country, right? I mean, it's it's we've got the big city boy that's come to rural town somewhere. Yeah. I guess it's the mountains of Utah maybe. Um, but I told my wife, Stacy, I said, this feels like a movie – like with the chicken and doing things on tractors, it feels like a movie written by someone who's never actually been to the country. But like this is <laughs> their idea of what it's like in the country, you know. And they they never took the time to actually go there. So, uh, you know, tractors are big, expensive, dangerous pieces of equipment 
no one from the country is doing this, these types of ridiculous things, like <laughs> maybe running a tractor or two into a ditch. That just, I'm, I, just good things happen in the country. I've been a part of some, but not like that. That would just be insane, you know, just way out yeah. there. And then, I mean, the, the, uh, first scene where where ariel is 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 going between cars on the highway that's absolutely bonkers <laughs> that's so she, crazy. she should have died so many times <laughs> yeah you know yes. she's got a death wish you're right this is the movie also known as chicken you're so right that's funny yeah that's and also good. there could maybe be another subtitle and it could be ariel is insane <laughs> ariel is insane i yeah. i uh i think that you're right that this one is uh maybe more sincere it is ridiculous i mean it has all the all the the bits of um 80s camping that are in any of these i think the least relatable character to me is ariel um but there's some really great endearing characters willard the, the best friend that comes comes to know ren really well uh i don't care for her in anything ever but sarah jessica parker is i think in this movie yeah, I uh, really enjoyed her as Rusty. Um, I will say so. I mean, you're 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 married to a PK, right? And maybe right. there are a lot of there are probably a lot of things in this movie that when I watch as a young person felt really relatable to me. Small town, uh, you know that the element of of knowing a PK and uh, this whole idea of of this town is somehow really run by this church was. I mean, I was never in a town like that, but you know, I'm from Oklahoma where there's a church on every corner. I grew up going to church. And so that felt very familiar. So there's a lot of elements that really drew me into this and the dancing and the great yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, in my research, uh, apparently this movie was, uh, loosely based on the events that took place in a small, uh, rural, extremely religious, uh, farming town of Elmore city, Oklahoma in 1978. So apparently dancing had been banned for nearly 90 years until a group of high school teenagers challenged it. So, uh, I, I didn't know if you were aware of that. <laughs> I, I was only aware of that as of today when I also did some research and I don't know <laughs> that I've ever been more surprised and not surprised in the same moment that of course <laughs> this yep. was a small town in Oklahoma. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I looked it up on the map. And so, uh, I, I, I reside in Norman, which is about uh, 20 minutes South of Oklahoma city. And so anyway, Elmore city is really not that far off of 35 between Norman and, uh, the Texas border. So like, I think, yeah, if you've done that, route at all i mean if you're an ou student you know from uh texas like you've passed elmore city many 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 times <laughs> so you probably actually have probably driven through that town trying to weave around the uh the construction that they've had up <laughs> lately so uh yeah you might have done it yourself uh coming from houston up here sometimes <laughs> i mean i don't know how the fact that's based on a town in Oklahoma has escaped me for this long of my life. There, I mean, the, of all the claims to fame that Oklahoma has, Garth Brooks, Reba, Toby Keith, RIP. Um, you never hear about Footloose being based on a story from maybe, I mean, maybe they're not so proud of that, right? <laughs> it was <laughs> dancing with them there for 90 years, but that's, that's kind of amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, it was, I had no idea it was based on a true story until today. It's amazing. Now, <laughs> more surprising to me is that one of the, I was reading one of the main people, and I don't want to offend anybody here. One of the main people that was against it was a Pentecostal pastor. Oh, really? Now, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know much about denominations, but, but Pentecostals are typically not the more reserved of reservations of, uh, of <laughs> denominations. So that was surprising to me as well. Um, all right. I, I want to know your other thoughts on this as a first time, as a first time viewing. Okay. Oh, well, I, another big thing that stood out to me, uh, for sure. And I knew this, uh, I had always known it was known for its soundtrack. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. um, even, even, uh, you know, our girls knew the song footloose without having seen this movie before, you know, that song is kind of inescapable from like just pop culture, I guess. Um, and so, and even I love, by the way, just, I love the opening it just the shots of the different feet. I just thought it yeah. was, a. I just really liked it like that for whatever reason. I was surprised at 
how well I knew the songs <laughs> from this movie. Like it was shocking to me, like how many popular songs were from this. And so that was one, another thing that stood out to me. Like I had always heard what a great soundtrack it was. And it was like, Oh gosh, yeah, it is. I know like all these songs. So that was definitely, um, I mean, that has to add to the uh, appeal to this movie that, you know, if, as silly as it is, it did kind of nail that perfectly. I mean, it got, as I mentioned, it, you know, two of the songs got nominated for Oscars. I mean, I knew Kevin Bacon was in this and John Lithgow. I knew, I, I knew that. But yeah, the all-star cast, you know, Diane Weiss and Chris Penn, Sarah Jessica Parker, like you mentioned. So I was kind of taken aback by how many uh, faces I recognized. Um, I didn't know Lori Singer as well as Ariel. Mm -hmm. I kind of looked up her IMDb and, you know, it seems like she still did a lot of things uh, after that. But um, yeah, so those are those were the things that stood out to me. I just, I think as a fan, you know, uh, in a podcast, Whitney was giving me a hard time that uh, it, I think it was like Can't Buy Me Love that I, she was kind of mad at me for not liking the cheesiness of that. But I, I think this, I mean, this this movie just played to like my uh, heart that loves shows like Full House or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the I had read that the uh... The screenwriter for this, Dean Pritchard. Pitford? Okay. Yeah. Uh, he had heard this story about this town uh, breaking this 80, 90 year ban on dancing and spent some time there. So I guess he did get some idea of what life is like in a small town enough to write it. But he, uh, I think, wrote a lot of the songs in her co wrote, I should say. But, oh, okay. Uh, nine, nine original songs on this. And yeah. You know, three made the top ten, two number one hits. It's amazing. I mean, Kenny Loggins uh, was just the master of '80s movies. I mean, um, what other movies did he do? A uh, top one, Kenny yeah, Loggins. Top Gun. Yeah, for sure. Pat, yeah, Caddyshack. Yep, yep. Um, my personal favorite '80s movie, Over the Top, about a truck driving uh, arm wrestler. <laughs> um, I mean, he just did every song that was great in the '80s, and. Uh, I mean, this has got a great, it's got a great movie poster, great album yeah. cover. It's just everything. So I did a, you know, the, have you ever done the, uh, what is it? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. That yeah, yeah. 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 Is that what it is? Or is it three degrees? Yeah. I don't know. No, it's, six. But it's, it's true. And probably most of them are through this movie. <laughs> this <is laughs> so many, so many stars in it. Is it, it's Diane Weiss. Is that how you say it? she was, she was like an eighties mom, parenthood. Um, yeah. Edward Scissorhands and yeah. so many great movies she was in. And then, uh, yeah, it's just a great jumping off point for if you're getting into eighties movies, you're going to see a lot of familiar people here. I, uh, love the, you know, I, you have to suspend disbelief when you watch any movie, but the very first thing that I loved about this one was, I think the opening scene is a church scene, right? It's a Sunday afternoon, apparently, mm -hmm. uh, John Lithgow does his, his first sermon and then church lets out probably around noon. And then his, his, uh, his daughter is introduced to Ren for the first time. She's like, all right, dad, I'm going to take off and go down to, you know, get some burgers or whatever. Then they do the death defying chicken scene. And the next thing we see, it's like nighttime yeah. <laughs> and they're at the burger place. And I just, it pulled me out of the movie for a minute because I was like, how, I mean, how long were they on this drive <laughs> before they got to the, the dinner place where everyone's dancing, right? Of course, there's music playing and everyone is into it, of course. Yeah, that scene so, cracked me up. <laughs> That's, yeah. That almost is when I was in. Like, I was like, okay, this, <laughs> even the the chef is like getting into it. <laughs> Every. So the danger of movies like this is that when you watch them when you're, you're young and impressionable like I was, is you you really believe that, wow, like everyone is dancing. Everyone wants to dance and does dance together all the time. So um, you got to be careful when you watch this thing, you know, if you're young like I was, because it can, <laughs> it can kind of maybe mess with your sense of reality, what, what people are really going to be into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and like you, like uh... – you know, growing, I grew up in a Baptist church and it was not to this level uh, for sure. But I think there was elements of that kind of smaller town, uh, the church basically having a pretty big influence 
on you know on the town you know versus some other things uh and so i i think that kind of you know spoke to me he's a little that's a too a little too deep to say but um i i went to baylor university you know which is a baptist school and i remember uh my freshman year which was uh the year 2000 2000 2001 and i think like fraternities and sororities had always had like dances and stuff but like they had a basically a dance uh like before right when school started i think it was called howdy or something like that and um that was like the first like dance uh, like school you know uh i guess baylor's tag what however you want to say that um mm -hmm. that they've ever had like they baylor used to not have dances and so oh, wow. anyway yeah so and that was you know in 2000 <laughs> so you know it's kind of you know not not uh, uh i guess like super far-fetched you know now to have a you know banning on dancing it's just funny it's just like how how would you police <laughs> such things but you know <laughs> there you know there there you go so um uh i was i had a couple of notes um so i i also liked the fact that this small town somehow has a, a gymnastics team that i guess uh ran kevin bacon's character gets cut from <laughs> yeah <laughs> thanks, like... thanks for bringing thanks for bringing that up because that was maybe <laughs> the most far-fetched thing in the movie and and not as he cut from it you never actually saw the gymnastics team you just saw the equipment in the gym yeah of, of two, two fairly you know athletic uh masculine guys just you know hammering out some gymnastics moves like it's it's nobody's business that was that was interesting as well i don't know maybe in utah that's a thing you know <laughs> yeah maybe uh i thought that was, yeah and i like how it was almost just a throwaway like he's like gosh i got cut from the team and i was like wait he was part of a team <laughs> Like when 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 was this? Yeah, this movie does kind of just yada yada over some details, like for sure. But I I found like his relationship uh with the Chris Penn character. Uh I'm trying to look up his name. Uh Will Willard, is that it? Willard. Uh, Willard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there was something a little like it kind of endearing uh, about that whole thing and their their French uh, their friendship. I, I I thought that was kind of a natural thing that kind of blossoms in this thing. And I just I love a good montage scene and mm -hmm. the scene where he's teaching him how to dance. And it like you know he, he Chris Penn is very much looks like someone who cannot dance. Apparently he really could not. And you know he spotlighted at the end, and it's pretty impressive. So <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed that part of it as well. Really impressive. I was reading. I mean, I think one of the memorable scenes from this movie is is when uh, Kevin Bacon is just you know frustrated. He's mad. And he's got to go get it out. And so he of course goes to a really old warehouse. You know, has to dance and do like leaps and stuff. And I think I read that there were no fewer than than two dance doubles and two like stunt doubles that entire scene where he's dancing in the dark in a warehouse and there's some, I mean, some great moves in there and very dramatic lighting and music and i mean it's it's just uh what other way would you you just sometimes you just got to burn off that anger so you just go dance it out it's just amazing and i one of the things i appreciate about kevin bacon i think this is a very 80s thing is the level that he clearly does nothing with his hair at all. And it just stands end to end. It's it's <laughs> super cool for back then. Uh, you know, in the movie, I think even his, his cousin says he's a fox. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, to go back a little bit, I think one of the things that's very relatable about this movie is someone coming in that's new and exciting to everybody in the town, you know, in the high school. He's a, he's a big city boy. And he's exotic to them. And to some degree, exotic to him as well. And when I was a kid in the summer times, we would, uh, I'm from a really small town of 900, but I spent a lot of time in the city, Oklahoma City, with cousins. And that was always exciting for me. And then in the summer times, we would go to an even smaller town than where I grew up in near the panhandle of Oklahoma. And that was so exciting for me too, because there were friends I saw there that were very country. And I only saw them in the summers, really. And so I got to dance between these different worlds all the time and come in and out of them and not necessarily have to, have my whole life in one and so i can i can remember uh 
you know, just being around people who seemed so exciting at the time, you know, cause I don't know anything about their lives and you see these just <laughs> vignettes and they kind of get to be who they want to be in those moments. But, um, yeah. Um, I really like how as an adult watching this now, as silly as some of the things are, the, View or even the the pastor and his wife are coming from. You can see how they get there. You can see how loss leads yeah. you to want to go to an extreme of overly yeah. protecting and being protective, and then how, of course, uh, the teenagers would have no real maybe perspective on that as to why it would be such a big deal. But it's all fairly believable. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. As ridiculous as this whole movie is, that there was something about that that kind of grounded me a little bit more, and I appreciated that because, um, yeah, exactly like you said, you know, there's the people. I I do feel like as far as like censorship goes, it's usually, uh, you know, the censorship is uh, almost like filling not filling a void, but just like. There, it's a, it's a, there has to be like a triggering effect. Like you do, th I don't think people just think this just because, well, I think maybe some people do, but I, you know, it's usually grounded in something that's probably happened in their life to think that that's the drastic nature that you would have to take to burn books and that sort of thing. I mean, I watching this, I was just kind of like, Oh gosh, I, I can't believe we're still in a world where like burning books is like seems to be an option for people, but it is. But I do mm -hmm. think uh, I, you're right. I, I really like I appreciated the scene like where Ren uh, has just a sit down conversation with Lithgow about the dance and like where they're coming from. Like I know that sounds funny, but I like that that this you know they did uh, they they humanize these characters enough in realize that the true way to like kind of get through whatever's going on is just a conversation about, you know, where each other is at. And so you hear so much, like if people just had conversations, you know, this world would be better. And I thought, I thought that scene actually kind of touched on that. Now I might be giving this credit, this movie more credit than it deserves, but um, I, I did like that element to it of showing the human. You could easily make the Lithgow preacher character, just a total villain. And it, mm -hmm. it, I thought it added some dimension and depth to the the whole scenario. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of another scene that was interesting. Oh, where uh, Ren and Willard took Rusty and Ariel to a country dance hall. Do you remember yes. this? <laughs> yeah. Where one song that was played there was a country song uh, at all. Everyone's in cowboy boots, <laughs> drinking that. beers, and there was not one country song played <laughs> at all. And you know, in that in that scene is where I think uh, Willard he doesn't he doesn't know how to dance, and so he just sits there like a, a bump on a log the whole time, and, and just gets angry and, and anxious, and watches his girl dance with someone else. Which leads me to want to ask you a question: What did you go to many high school dances growing up, Nathan? What were those like for you? Oh, see, you're kind of cutting into my movie musings uh, segment where I was going to ask you the mm. same thing. But actually, yes, we did have a lot of dances because in high school there we actually didn't have too many school dances. But there was this uh, kind of group. It um, What's the thing? Oh, yeah. It's like you took cotillion in fifth grade. Did you ever take anything like that? No. Mm-mm. No, okay, so we're part of Cotillion, and it became, I don't know why, I am not. I can't think of the name right now. It, it had this weird acronym. I think it was called Terps or something like that. But anyway, it, you were in this group, and it was like a group of my friends and stuff, and there were like three, three dances every year, like your freshman, sophomore. And so one was a little more formal. One was, you know, like a movie theme or something like that. So anyway, and um, I, at the time, I had a girlfriend at a different uh, high school, so she had her dances too. So I actually, like my junior year, I bought a tux because – it was so much cheaper than renting one because I had wow. so many like formal type of things. And so you would think with all these dances that there would be some talent to emerge uh, of, from me, but th there was not at all. I, 
<laughs> so, did you? Uh, I mean, but did you? Did you get some moves on your belt? Though? I mean, did you have some go tos that when the moment struck, you you would say, "Hey, here's the time." <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I'm actually still to this day terrified of like, you know, when people like form the circle and somebody goes in the middle and like, you know, does something is that's like my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, okay. So my mother was a teacher at the small high school that, um, in the small town we were at and she, for whatever reason was like a dance uh, sponsor. Like she was always oh. there at the dances. She, I think she was a student council sponsor. So she was at most dances. And so that meant I was also at most dances from the time I was probably in, I don't know, third grade or something. So, uh, I got to watch a lot of dancing before, you know, doing any dancing. And by the time I got into seventh grade and was able to go to my own dances, I was probably just, you know, glued to the wall and, and nervous to get up. So that, that was me for a long time. And then I reached a point to where I just didn't care anymore. And so yeah. I would, um, I would just sit there and have fun and just be stupid. You know, um, it, it, I think dancing is kind of silly anyway, like slow dancing in middle school. It's just awkward and silly. There's, yeah. there's just too much anxiety tied to it. So, um, no, I got to see a, a lot of great dances in the nineties. Uh, yeah. And the, lots, lots of fun things as a third grader. And, uh, but no, I, I have a couple of go-to moves. Uh, you did. You need a suit jacket to pull one of them off. Um, forever to dance again. I'll I'll show you some of these things. You can make them your own. But I only have two or three, and then I just kind of go find a seat. Yeah, like yeah, I can yeah. still I can relate to Willard in this moment. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, not Kevin I, Bacon. Yeah, I I I definitely can have fun at a dance and now and there is at some point you realize in your head that like like you said it's more like everybody having fun and there's really maybe besides those like moments of like someone in the middle of a dance circle like nobody's really paying it everybody's probably more concerned especially in high school like what they look at, look like versus like people actually judging what you're doing. Everybody's just pretty self-centered. And so when you get to that point where you can let go, you know, it definitely fun. And I, especially in a house um, with two girls who love to dance and I'm sure very similar situation for you with three girls, you know, you just kind of have to like just dance is a very popular, uh, you know, game in our house. And my girls make fun of how bad, at it but hey you know i just yeah. uh, i just give it my best you know so you know i i can remember uh there being a few people there's probably always an advance that uh they had no business having as much fun being as bad as they were at dancing. but as i can remember seeing people just be terrible and they did not care and they were and people there was just something infectious about being around them and they're just fun to be around because they just didn't care and they were terrible i mean they would pull the jacket off and you know run it between the legs i mean just <laughs> just yeah. ridiculous stuff but oh have you ever seen uh better off dead john cusack oh, it has been a long time but yes i have seen it i mean that's probably my favorite 80s movie actually and and there is a there's a dance scene in that movie where you know probably the nerdiest guy in that movie shows up with totally unearned confidence and dominates the dance circle. I mean, just <laughs> dominate it. And so I saw, I saw some of that in my school. So that was good. <laughs> so there's also a lot of fighting in this movie. Well, <laughs> I made a note about that. Cause as, as much as I kind of just built up, you know, the Reverend Shaw Moore here, um, mm -hmm. the fact that he hits his daughter and we never returned to the fact that that took place is <laughs> kind of uh, yeah. a little, as uh, Hallie would say, a little sus, <laughs> a little sus. I agree. I was, when I, when I saw it happen in the movie, I was like, Oh, like, but you know, right after he does say he's never hit anyone in his life ever before. Yeah. Um, not, and that makes it okay. That, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that makes it okay, but you're, it does kind of just go, uh, go by the wayside there. That was interesting. And then, you know, that was nice to kind of see him come around at the end, though. You know, his wife yeah. is like, I've stuck by you all these years. Well, you've, you've done your thing. And, uh, 
maybe this maybe this isn't uh, the hill that you die on. So. Yeah. And I thought as a whole, Ariel just really had a rough go in this movie. I mean, with uh, mm -hmm. was it was it Chuck? I mean, like there's a full on like fight, like <laughs> a choreographed fight scene <laughs> between yeah, these that, two. It's it's true. I I don't know if you saw much of that up in in your town. I definitely saw just a lot of stupid fights growing up. I really did. I mean, there were. There were there were times I was not on the receiving end of those, but I remember uh, there's someone in my class who was always dating a boy three years older than her. It's one of those things, and um, yeah, she was in my class and we were friends. And I was walking down the hallway one day, and you know, some guy like shoulder checks me into a locker, and it's like, what what's going on here? And he's like, you need to stay away from so and so. I mean, for real. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not. We're friends, but I mean, it was, you know, it's just maybe it's yeah. a small town thing, maybe it isn't. But so I could relate to those things too. They're just so stupid, but I guess they happen everywhere, yeah. um, especially especially in high school. So this leads me. Besides that instance, have you ever been in in a fight before? Yes, I have been really? in several fights. Oh yeah, what? Yeah, I have. <laughs> so uh, well. I won't name names, but okay. <laughs> um, they're a long time ago. They were when I was in grade school, maybe a little bit older. So I I was the type of little kid that would love to shoot his mouth off at people to get a rise out of people. And I did this once at a football game to a kid who was a little bit older than me. And I'm not kidding. Like the next day, uh, I was walking home from school. I lived about, I don't know, four blocks from school. And someone was following me. And it was this kid, and he caught up to me, and he threw me on the ground and beat me up. Oh, geez. I know. I was like maybe third, fourth grade. Oh, it wow. It was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. And uh, it's three, four years goes by. I think I was in middle school, high school now, and, and he had moved away, and, and I, was, I was downtown at a pool hall, and I ran into him, and I was a lot bigger than him, right, because I'd grown up. Yeah. And, oh, my mouth got really big. And I was, I was being really mouthy and, uh, he, he followed me, uh, home again. And I had a friend with me and he, I'm not kidding here. He was like walking around me, like, say something, do something, come on. And he punched me in the face again. Oh, and, uh, but I was a lot bigger now and it didn't really do anything to me. And I remember it was a moment there where I was like, oh my gosh, like he just gave me a good one and it kind of hurt. But I'm still standing, and I feel like I could like wail on this guy. Yeah, and so uh, I didn't. I kept walking, oh. but I could have. I knew in my head I could have. So I don't think I. I don't think uh, the last fight I was in was actually with a with a, uh, a roommate in college who was a dear <laughs> friend, and was like an ox, and we, we were, you know, fighting about something one day. And the time I wasn't. I mean, his last person I'd want to fight, and uh, he. He was making me mad, so I went and wailed on him for a little bit. I don't think it bothered him at all, but you know, I considered it a fight. So that's it. I, I've never been in a, a big vicious though outside that, where I've really ever hurt anybody. Not at all. I probably was more. I was probably more on the receiving end of the hurt than anybody. <laughs> How about you? Have you oh, been this in any is, fights? This, this is why I love this podcast. I would never had uh, guess those stories uh, from you. That's amazing. Uh, actually. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> so I, I've just, uh, uh, I think if people know me, I'm, you know, I'm definitely a peacemaker. I, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I would, I would say I definitely have been like curious about, you know, uh, almost never to the level of like a movie, like fight club, but in that whole thing, they kind of talk about like, how do you know what type of person you are if you've never been mm -hmm. in a fight before, you know? And so, uh, but I, now I'm not giving this as an open invitation to next time we see each other, <laughs> you hitting me and like seeing if I can take it or not, you know, but the closest I ever came was like in junior high and, uh, uh, I was on the basketball team and there was this one guy and it was just getting, getting a little contentious, like between uh -huh. us, like guarding each yeah. other. And like, every time we were checking the ball, it was becoming a little harder and a little harder. And so he like checked it at me like really hard and I, it just, 
that was the last straw and I just basically chunked the ball at his head and hit his head. And so anyway, he was about to come at me, but I think he didn't have too many like uh, friends on the basketball team and the mm. rest of the guys on the team had my back. So that got diffused really fast. And so, okay. uh, it, that, that was about, that was about the closest. So anyway, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm almost a little too practical for fighting. I just, I, I don't get it. I don't think it really solves <laughs> anything. So, yeah, but I, I, I did like, I did have that note from this movie because <laughs> as, as these as is exploring these like bigger themes and especially of what like dance can provide to a community how mm -hmm. like even the final scene uh ren <laughs> ren and uh, i keep forgetting his name uh the chris Finn character uh you know they basically have this full-on fight you know with everything and that that this movie is basically saying this was the solution to the problem. So as much as this movie is, you know, saying, Hey, go to the city council, speak your heart. It still falls mm -hmm. into these, like, but when the time comes, get ready to fight. That's <laughs> so right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's right before the best part of the movie to me is like the, the final dance scene where everyone's into it. I mean, it's, you know, glitter is falling the whole time. It's amazing. Yeah. It's yes. a great scene, and, and there's a fight right before that. Of course yeah. there is. Yeah. So I, I'm still a little mad at Hallie. So I essentially forced Hallie to watch this movie with me. And mm -hmm. she, I mean, she probably saw more of it than, than she's saying. But still, she pretty much just looked at her phone the whole time. She said Footloose was really annoying the song itself so she was out from the get-go but she sat by me the whole time so but anyway she did see the final scene <laughs> and she did ask why is there so much glitter <laughs> it's just it's just like cascading the whole time <laughs> to whole time. everybody it's amazing though and it kept going and i wondered as i was watching it this time how many times and how much glitter they must have had because you know they must have filmed that so many so many dance sequences in that, and uh, I want to be at a dance like that. I mean, glitter might as well be falling the whole time. It's pretty amazing. I'm really coming across as a really cool person in this podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never fought anybody. I'm not a good dancer, and I was about to say I, I just hate glitter because of the mess that it <laughs> it makes. <laughs> that factory owner was so willing to like let them use you know his facility. I wonder if he accounted for like how much cleanup there would be after. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you just gotta live. <laughs> <laughs> Movie musings. We talked about dancing. So my second question for you was, uh, well, you kind of mentioned it. You, you like to run your mouth off, but was there ever a time that you were like rebellious or tried to buck the system like Rind here in this town? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. No, I'm sure none of my 30 classmates are going to be ever listening to this. No offense, Nate. This is a great podcast and they should listen to it because they'd enjoy it. But when I was uh when I was a freshman, so I was in high school when the whole like uh, alternative grunge thing was going on. And so I just thought you were supposed to be angsty and life was supposed to be miserable. I'm sure I had nothing to be miserable about. But my mom actually let me uh, bleach my hair. And dye it bright blue, which amazed me that she let me do that. And uh, it's one of the first times in my life where I was a freshman when I did that. Um, every straight-laced boy in school called me every kind of name you can probably imagine that they would have called me back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, every girl gave me nothing but like compliments about it, and I figured out how things really were. <laughs> and I was like, this is a really worthwhile trade-off. And so I don't care at all that like, you know, all the jocks are like calling me these names. So yeah, I, I kind of, um, being from a small town, I don't see myself as a small town person. I think it, it helped me. I, think I, I had a pretty good streak in me of, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but uh, I didn't think I'd be in a small town for the rest of my life. So there's a little bit of an us me versus them kind of mentality pretty early on. So, yeah, you know, I was, I was in the music. My friends were listening to yeah, when the, when the bulls played the Suns in the NBA finals, I was firmly a Suns fan just because <laughs> everyone else was a bulls fan. <laughs> I remember, yeah, I, I remember getting, I remember getting, 
Yeah. You, you, you had your Dan Marley jersey on. <laughs> I definitely had a Phoenix Suns hat that I wore to church and got bullied at church because why would anyone be a Suns fan when there's Michael Jordan and the Bulls? Which now I, I totally agree with that. Um, that's just how I was wired. So, yeah, there was definitely a rebellious streak in me to that extent of rebelling yeah. against the, the status quo. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you, you mentioned music a little bit. So, and we talked about how great the soundtrack is uh, to this movie. So, mm-hmm. what do you consider one of your favorite soundtracks or one of the best soundtracks? Oh, for a movie? Yeah. And I would say, um, eh, maybe or, I'm thinking more like kind of compilation, kind of like this one, not so much score based, mm-hmm. but you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have to think about that for a minute. So, okay, well, this, yeah, go ahead. Well, while you're thinking about it, I was one of mine that is always kind of on the top of my head is the Forrest Gump soundtrack. And even though, mm-hmm. um, just because that soundtrack was probably, even though I had heard older music before, it actually mm-hmm. like kind of introduced me to a lot of songs that I just had, hadn't really dived into. And the way that that movie spans, you know, several decades. Uh, and so I, I just always liked that. And I just, I, I'll forever remember just, it, it was a double CD. One was mm-hmm. red, one was blue <laughs> there, for whatever reason. There's a lot of memories tied up into that music as well, but that's always been like one of my favorites. That's a great one. I can remember that being everywhere, that double album being everywhere. Okay. Yeah. The, I, I like this question, right? Cause it's something that's near and dear to me. So I'm going to name a few Okay, just formative for me. First one, Goodwill hunting. Okay. Um, it's mostly Elliot Smith, but okay. it it's a it's a it's a soundtrack that goes so great with a movie. And they're not they weren't those were songs not written for that movie, but they just they fit it so well. Um, another one would be oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, a great. lot of bluegrass on there. Um, let's see, uh, another one that I really really love is that thing you do that does have some original songs. Goes along with yeah. the great. And then um, when I was a kid, my mom bought me some cassettes. They must have been in like the bargain bin at Walmart. But was for, there was one from a movie called A Fine Mess. It had Ted Danson in it, I think. And okay. I think most of the songs are by The Temptations. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I listen, I listen to that a lot. So there you go. Yeah, nice. Very nice. Well, kind of wrapping up this movie, um, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you could really try to really dive into the deeper meanings uh, to this movie. But I, overall, I, I definitely thought very, very entertaining. I, I could totally see why pop culture had like kind of latched onto this movie. But kind of mm-hmm. as a closing thought question uh, for you, uh, wh- why do you think this movie has resonated with audiences over all these years? Oh, that's easy. It's got great looking people in it, having a good time. There are some, you know, themes that are consistent to any age, standing up for what you believe in, making some changes. Have a good time. I think that's it. Nice. That's a good. This is a good summary. If the filmmakers to Footloose just heard what you just said, I think they'd be like, "Yep, he he gets it. <laughs> Bo gets mm-hmm. it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Call me up, guys. Let's do another one. It's been a little while since we've talked. Uh, has there anything you've really been digging uh, lately? Yes. You recommended uh, a few episodes back to United uh, Reservation Books. I think I had maybe just started or not yet. Yeah. I just finished the last season. Um, yeah. If you're someone that can tolerate some language... I don't know that I don't know that there's a better show on television that will hit you straight in your heart. I mean, gosh, the characters in that, the the writing in it, the sense of family and caring and love, it's 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 raw and it's real. I love that show so much. So Reservation Dogs, I give out ten out of ten. Um, the other thing I'm catching up on is is Fargo, the TV series. Just finished yeah. season four of that. I don't know that the bad season of that either. Oh, it's good stuff. Yeah. So those are my two. Very good. Yeah, oh, very good oh. shows. I, I should mention a family friend, just choir. Just watch that with the kids on Disney Plus. Okay. Follows the, yeah. uh, the, the Detroit Youth Choir, I think. And uh, it's amazing. It's a feel good one. Yeah. Now that's a, is that a, like a documentary that's like real life? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. I saw I, that, and and I kind of wondered if our girls would watch that. It being more reality TV, I didn't know if they would like that or not. Oh, I have one more. If you haven't seen this is on Disney Plus also. It's called The Last Repair Shop. Okay, it follows it's 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 reality. It's it's a movie. It's not long. It's maybe forty long. It follows uh, a particular uh, repair. It's it's part of the Los Angeles school system. They apparently repair instruments for and have insurance for free and so it follows four of the people that work in this repair shop they've each got kind of their you know uh pull out the heartstrings story either they're an immigrant or they're from a um an excluded um class of people but then it, it follows students that have gone through there and it, and it wraps up with just uh this the most tear-jerking scene ever it's it's worth watching if you have 38 minutes of your time it is amazing it's called the last repair shop so okay Great, really great recommendations. I'm working my way, trying. I don't think I'm gonna get to watch all the movies that were nominated for Best Picture before uh, the Oscars mm. air, but I'm trying to. And I finally uh, watched Past Lives, which is streaming on Paramount Plus, but also oh, I, the name of the service escaped me. I saw there's a basically a streaming service that's tied to your li library. But I saw that past lives uh, had popped up on that one. So uh, there's a way you could watch it. Canopy. There we go. It's on Canopy mm. as well. Um, so do you know much about the movie? No. Tell me about it. Oh, okay. So basically it, it follows, um, it follows this woman who grew up in Korea and her family's Im immigrated to Toronto and she has this deep, a childhood friendship uh with this boy and so they kind of reconnect when she's in new york like over uh, social media and um then it kind of flash forwards again and she's she's married she has a life now and he does too but he basically they basically there's still like a connection there so it just kind of explores that and a lot of like um it's almost like a realistic look of like what could have been or um, deep connections and it's a very uh it's a very uh, i don't want to say deep in the sense that it's not a hard movie to like get uh get caught up in but man mm. it's very it's very thought provoking and also doesn't uh there's drama in it but it's almost like i, I felt like you could see the scenario playing out like it doesn't elevate <laughs> the drama and a lot of it a, a lot of uh what's so powerful about it is what's unsaid in the in the movie and so definitely you can see why it's like nominated for the awards it is and it's just kind of a one of those smaller films that's it came out like originally in the summer and it's had these mm. legs to kind of make it <laughs> make I, I think any movie that came out like such a long time ago and is able to still you know kind of make it to the awards circuit is you know a pretty good one and so i think i think you really like it a lot now it's a very quiet movie <laughs> it takes its time so if you're a little bit if you've had a tiring week it might not be the movie to throw on <laughs> you, okay. might, you, you might you might fall asleep not because the content's not good but just because it's a very quiet soft type of movie but it's it's very good but yeah streaming on paramount plus or on canopy um which is tied to your local library so check that out and if people don't oh. know about canopy uh, people should check that service out so thanks for doing this movie <laughs> being willing to jump into this uh world of dancing uh so remember you can always visit moviesyourlife.com for all our episode reviews and more you can find uh, the episode that bill was on about say anything and we also covered the movie pray even though that was an 80s movie you know it was basically a prequel to a very popular 80s movie <laughs> so uh but yeah if you love this podcast just please take a moment to rate and review it tell people about it thanks nathan i can't wait yeah. to do another one of these i hope you ask again yeah yeah no definitely this is a lot of fun i hope everybody has a great week i hope you have a great week and remember if things get too stressful for you, just find an empty warehouse somewhere and just get get some good uh, dance on and get all your frustrations out. I will. I'll get foot loose. <laughs> there you go. Talk to you later.